What's going on, guys? On today's Trophy Kids, we've got a great show for you. We're talking about Gronk heading to Tampa, the NFL Draft, and a little review slash preview of The Last Dance. So let's go. And welcome to Trophy Kids, presented by Bad News Media. It is April 23rd, and we have the return of Tim. How are we doing today, man? I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> It has been a while and just in time because we have lots to talk about. We are a day sh- a day short and a dollar. What's the f- day late and a dollar short? There we go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on some football news here because we weren't able to record yesterday, but we've got some news. I am very excited to record this because my football life life sucks right now. Is for being honest about it with the whole Rona going on, but my football life has gotten so great. It was announced yesterday that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots have finalized a trade to send a fourth-round pick from the Bucs to the Pats for Rob Gronkowski and a seventh-round pick. It has come full circle, Tim. I am a Buccaneers fan first, but I'm a Boston fan in everything other aspects. We all know the story behind that. If we don't, you need to make sure you're subscribing. Go listen to the catalog. Great, good episodes. But I am now going to have Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski on my football team, mixed with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, potentially O.J. Howard. We'll get to that in a second. And Chris uh, Cameron Brady. It can't get any better if we actually get to watch this football season. I saw this all unfold, and I could not believe it. I, I was like, Nate's worlds are colliding all at once. <laughs> it's like Christmas Day all over for him, for him again, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. It is Fantastic. I'm slightly worried that I'm never actually going to see this come to fruition because we're not getting football, but <laughs> which would suck because we'll get into if I actually think this is good or not. After the initial kind of shock and happiness kind of fell over me when I saw this, Gronk, I thought about like, okay, how is this going to work logistically? I listened to like everybody's takes today slash yesterday, and I think everybody is about half right and half wrong on this. The middle ground is is exactly where this is going to be. Are the Bucks better off than they were last year right now? 100% yes. With the addition of Tom Brady alone, they become a much better football team. You can go, well, Tom Brady's losing it. No, he's not. And I'll get to that in a second. But out of our nine losses last year, seven of them were within a single-digit score. And in all seven of those games... Jameis Winston had a combined 18 turnovers. Tom Brady hasn't had 18 turnovers in a single season in his entire career. In the last two years, he had 19. He had eight total last year, I think. Maybe six, eight. Eight total last year. So right off the bat, if we don't turn over the football, we're a better football team. The defense was historically good rush-wise. They actually ranked 11th best defense in the past four decades. Passing-wise, we were 32 in the league. So they are a better team, right off the bat, adding Tom. Then you add Gronk. Do I think Gronk's going to be great? No. Do I think he's going to be good? Yes. There is nothing to suggest that Gronkowski shouldn't be good. Is it going to take him probably a bit to get caught up to speed? Absolutely. He's about 10 pounds shy of where he wants to be for football weight. He's probably about 10 miles shy or 1,000 miles shy of football conditioning. And he's probably a good four to five game shy of being back in it competitively because it's going to take a second he's been off for a year 
But is he an upgrade? Absolutely. Is he a good blocking tight end to help our tackles, which is the weak spot on the line? Absolutely. Is he a great mentor for O.J. Howard if we keep him and Cameron Brait? Absolutely. Is this an upgrade overall? Absolutely. There is nothing in this world that is going to tell me right now that Rob Gronkowski isn't an improvement for the single year we have. This team may not be Super Bowl bound. I think that's getting a little bit far ahead of ourselves. Might not be. I think it should be a goal, but we often see in the first year that's tough to do. But there's no reason to think that they aren't going to compete to win the NFC South. And there's no reason to think that they can't make a deep playoff run preseason right now. If we're going off preseason, I think it's ridiculous to go off preseason, but there's nothing to suggest that this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is not going to be competitive as hell next year. I thought you were going to be somewhere in the middle. You said somewhere in the middle. That is way more near the top end of predictions. Well, think about it. We're going to make the playoffs, I think, because we're going to be better than the Panthers. Okay. We're going to compete with the Saints, and we're going to be better than the Falcons. So we competed with the Saints last year. I think we're better than the Saints right now. So we're going to win the NFC South, I think. I think we're going to make a deep playoff push, which means Super Bowl's in sight. It's on the horizon, but it's not there. Like, I'm not saying we're going to the Super Bowl, but I'm saying it's not unrealistic to put that as the top goal and think that it's potentially achievable without injuries because I do think we're going to win the NFC South. I do think we're going to make the playoffs. I think we'll probably make a playoff push. Now, this is all crazy talk to begin with because, you know, injuries could derail this team. But I don't think there's any reason not to think that they don't have a chance to win the the NFC South and win a playoff game for the first time in way too long. Don't talk to me about not winning a playoff game, Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do think it's realistic because it's also a nightmare offensively. Because say Gronk isn't good. Say he is – I mean, he's not going to be great. I think he's going to be good. But say he is an average tight end. He's still going to be good blocking. I don't think he's not going to be a good asset to help the tackle he lines up with. And in the pass game, it's still a nightmare because defenses have to decide who are they going to cover and how are they going to cover it. You got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, potentially O.J. Howard, and Cameron Brake as the backup there. Somebody's going to have one-on-one coverage, and all those guys are going to be good enough to beat their one-on-one coverage. So, yeah, I think this team is going to be a problem if they stand up. I'm not saying you're wrong, Nate. What I'm saying is you said you fall somewhere in the middle of the predictions between being super high and super low. That's not in the middle. There's there. I, Your I expectations seen, are very high right now. No, 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 hold up. I have seen, I have seen the people that are saying we're running a retirement home down in Tampa Bay, Florida right now with the age of these guys. And we aren't going to be very good. And I've seen people who said Tampa Bay is going to be the first team to be in the Super Bowl at home. Because Tampa Bay is hosting the Super Bowl. I didn't probably say that the most elegant way, but you get what I'm saying. My point is still made. I am simply saying winners of the NFC South win a couple playoff games, and it is not out of the realm of possibility to be in the Super Bowl. But by no means am I saying, yeah, we're getting to the Super Bowl. Well, Brady doesn't lose if you get that far in the playoffs. Well, I'm more concerned about injuries. I'm also, my biggest concern right now is the NFL season isn't going to start on time, I don't think. Tom Brady is not going to be a guy that I don't believe, and I said this when we signed him, and I've said it even before this, I don't believe Tom Brady's a guy who's going to slowly drop off. I don't think he's going to slowly decline. The guy's going to be 43 this summer. I think it's in Tom Brady is going to be the guy who just wakes up one day at, at any point now, and his arm's just gone. Like, he's just yep. not there anymore. 
So every passing day, that risk becomes more and more so. So when the season not starting on time, it, I do become more worrisome of that. I'm also very realistic in knowing Gronk is injury prone. Like Evans is probably going to pull a hamstring at some point in the season because that seems to happen. There are going to be injuries. So I can't say we're going to win the Super Bowl. But I think even if Gronk gets hurt and the wide receiver core gets banged up, there's so much depth offensively that we're still, even with injuries, I mean, unless everybody gets injured, they are a playoff-bound team competing for a push for the NFC Championship. With with only one year of Gronkowski, do you flip O.J. Howard and try to get a Trent Williams and throw in a draft pick with O.J. Howard for Trent Williams at the Redskins? So Trent Williams is ideal. That would be the perfect situation. The problem is the cap hit is not doable unless the Redskins agreed to like take on some of that contract still or something. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't believe cap-wise we could do it. Um with the signings we've made and now taking on Gronk's $10 million contract, I don't believe cap-wise we can do it without some money taken on from the Redskins. But could we potentially move up and draft an offensive tackle by dealing O.J. Howard? I think it's possible. Um, I don't want to deal O.J. Howard because in an ideal situation, we would keep him. Gronk would mentor him during this year, and then he'd be primed to be the number one guy next year. But we just signed Cameron Brake to an extension, so I don't think we're dealing him. So it is tough. Because the other thing, people are like, oh, the Bucks' offensive line's terrible. No, they're not. We are solid on the interior. It's our tackles that aren't great, which is important. I get that. I get that is a, a very important, more important part. But you can run two tight end personnel and help out those tackles. Like, you can have Gronk help whichever tackle you want to help, he can help. As well as we can still... We're in a great position where we don't have to upgrade the run defense. We don't have to upgrade the wide receivers. We can upgrade the running back if we want, but Ronald Jones came on strong at the end of the season, like showed valuable places. Our two areas of concern right now are tackle and the secondary, which was young, so I don't know if they're really going to want to attack that, but we can attack that. So we don't have a ton of patchwork to do, so we have options before the season starts to really make a move and upgrade. But it does seem like we're going all in this year. We're doing the Gruden thing. So is there a chance? So is there a chance here that, uh, (laughs) that, that Bill Belichick let Brady walk, gets a third round compensation pick because he signed for so much money. And then, (laughs) and then, and then he's, and then he signed a WWE wrestler. He traded him for a fourth round pick and they never play it down. It would suck, yeah. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> that would suck. But I'm also... These people that are like, the Bucks are going boomer bust. I attribute it... It's almost like the Gruden thing, but less risk. Because we didn't really push all our chips in the middle. Like, okay, say Tom Brady goes bust. We still have a ton of assets around to go get a quarterback at some point. Whether that's drafting one down the road. Like, there's still a young core there. Say Gronk sucks, but Brady's decent. Like, Brady's still... Say Brady isn't premier, but he's still a top 15 quarterback. That still wins you a fuck ton of football games and potentially gets you to the Super Bowl. Like, the Rams got to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Like, who played good, but, like, come on now. So... (laughs) So how happy are you that they actually, like, signed Brady? Because you're in a much better spot now than um, than you were last year. 
and you have no risk at re-signing Jameis Winston, which is incredible. So now, even if Brady doesn't work out, you're still in a better situation than you would have been because you would have been forced to choose between mediocre Jameis Winston for a long time or trying to start all over. Correct. So you kind of got the best of both worlds with this this little gap here. The best of both worlds, period, end of statement. And here's where it gets even better if we want to say – actually, never mind. I was just about to say it, but it doesn't make any sense. I don't even know how they would do that because Tom Brady has a no-trade clause. But I was going to say, at the end of the day, if they want to be real cutthroat, Andy Dalton gets off his contract next year. We just go out and sign him, and we just keep recycling – quarterbacks that are half decent with an insane asset list of talent around them and we can win football games i mean the term andy dalton it's better than uh i think probably a second year tom brady or a a blaine gabbard who's the backup right now blaine gabbard is our backup quarterback right now that man i'm not gonna say anything bad about blaine gabbard because he's on my team but if he were not on my team i would not feel very confident in him (laughs) But at Let's the end just of the say day, Blaine Gabbert's not very good. No, he is not. And he is our backup. There is some fear there. It's just for me, there's too many. Like all the arguments that you throw that for the reasons they're not going to be good, I just don't think stick because they're not coming to a team that has a ton of holes. Like, like I said, seven out of the nine games we lost last year were in single digits. And Jameis Winston was the difference maker in those wins and losses because he turned over the ball 18 times. Like, and we weren't losing to bad teams. We were losing to very good playoff teams by small margins. So it is one of those things where it's like they are, the Bucks are going to be very good, I think, as long as the injury bug isn't a problem. That's Fair all. enough. <laughs> so I'm very excited. I don't think I think anybody who's saying they're going to be bad because of an age thing is wrong. I think anybody who says they're going to be bad because Tom Brady's lost something is wrong because if you look at it, he had literally no weapons last year except for Julian Edelman, who I don't know if you had noticed lines up in the slot and run and does his work in short game situations. Like he was throwing deep balls to running backs coming out of the backfield at one point because once they lost AB, uh, Henry was down with injuries. Like there just wasn't any threat. He's going to have the second best deep ball threat he's had his entire career in Mike Evans because he had Randy Moss. If Randy Moss hadn't played for him, Mike Evans would be the best deep ball threat. He's got Chris Godwin, who is an up-and-coming star. And here's the other thing. Here's the part that I love about this even most. You look at teams, like you looked at the Cleveland Browns, people are going, well, they're sort of like the Cleveland Browns. Name a guy who has an ego problem on this Buccaneers team. There isn't one. Mike Evans is not a guy... He is not an Odell Beckham ego type. He is a Julio Jones type who is quiet off the field, does great work off the field, and on the field is an assassin who does not care. He wants to win and do whatever it costs to win. To win. Chris Godwin, he's a guy who takes the approach that he wants respect in this league, and he's going to do it by playing hard, good football, and just working. Gronk, not a huge ego guy. Nobody on this team is an ego guy. So there is going to be no problem because I don't think you should draft any of these guys in fantasy football. But who cares about that? Because there's just too many weapons. The ball's going to be spread around too much. But it is like it is a great situation. The coaching staff is great. This isn't one of those situations where you saw like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett get traded or Steve Nash 
and Dwight Howard on the Lakers. Like this situation is yours or Joe Montana when he played for the Chiefs. Like they're stepping into a very good situation where even if they have a drop off, both these players, which I expect there will be a drop off, there's enough talent to help carry them. And they in turn are going to help us by Tom Brady not turning over the ball and playing the way he does. It's going to be a great season. I hope I get to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) I get, I hope we get to see it because it's going to be fantastic. And if it's not, what do I have to lose? Being a Bucks fan has sucked prior to one year or Tony Dungy slash John Gruden Super Bowl year. Outside of that, it has been a terrible sports existence. So I don't have much to lose here. Very true. All right, let's get on to some things because we are releasing this on Thursday. It is draft day. How are you feeling about your Detroit Lions? Because there is some words coming out there. I'm not happy. Nate, I am terrified. I I was scared last year that they would actually pull the trigger and take TJ Hawkinson just because they had pretty much said that that was the safe route and that's where they liked him and they didn't want to trade back. Well, that's what I'm worried is going to happen this year. And it's not with a player that I like at all. So... (laughs) You think they are going to trade back, or you said no? Cut out. Oh, my no, problem. No, my problem is I think they're going to sit right at three because they didn't I get enough like value, or whatever the hell Bob Quinn tries to say, and they don't even take Jeff Okuda. I think they take Derek Brown out of Auburn because they need a defensive tackle desperately, and Bob Quinn's an idiot. Ah, dude, that would be insane if they took Derek oh, Brown. Oh, tell me about it. They, I was just listening to the radio today, and they had the Lions beat writer on. He thinks it's a 50-50 toss-up between Jeff Okuda and Derek Brown. That terrifies me. That's insane. That would be as dumb as Miami. Well, I'm not going to say as dumb because what Miami is potentially contemplating might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that would be up there with a pretty dumb. Not that Brown isn't a good college player. And has potential, but if you're at the three spot and you're not trading back, why wouldn't you take Jeff Oku? I don't know. It would drive me absolutely insane. You have a potential lockdown corner on the outside, yeah, and a, and a playmaker, and I, you just take a run stopper like a run stopper. Come on, yeah, he can't even pa- he can't even rush the passer. Yeah, I do. that would. He's be. the most unathletic defensive tackle out there. I mean, the Lions, if, they are, if there is value out there, the trade back would be the – that would be the Bill Belichick thing to do if Matt Patricia is a true Bill Belichick disciple. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> But that would be I – didn't, I did not know they were, they were thinking about taking Derek Brown. That would yes. be hilarious. At that least, is what they're thinking about, and that is what scares the heck out of me. I mean, Tim, you could be in the position of the Miami Dolphins who are apparently thinking about taking Justin Herbert, so <laughs> – Yes, that's dumb. I didn't think that's where you were going with that. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I have heard that they're looking at trading up to number three to take an offensive tackle because they need to get ahead of the Giants. That would be, I mean. And what they're trying to do there is not that dumb when I think about it more because they are trying to package some of their like low first round, high second round picks to move up with the Lions and not get rid of the number five so they can jump the Giants, take a tackle, and then take Herbert. And then they have their franchise quarterback. We don't need to talk about 
we can talk. I'll let you handle that. Um, and an offensive tackle. That would be wild. I had not heard that, so my brain isn't exactly computing that yet. They have 18, something else, and 39. I mean, that is a strategy. It's better than staying at the five spot and drafting Justin Herbert over Tua. Like, that is an absolute insanity move on a, for a thousand different reasons. Not that I don't – first of all, let me just say this. Drafting quarterbacks – is hard enough. Don't overthink it. You are in the top five for a reason. Justin Herbert and Tua, all things the same, they're not even on the same planet as types of NFL prospects. These both dudes could absolutely bomb out. That is that is a potential in drafting quarterback. They both could suck. But if you're going on who is the better prospect coming out of college, who is the guy that if you threw him to the Wolves right now, and I get two as health concerns, so that's a problem, but who has the better skill set to transition to the NFL? Two is, op- is absolutely the answer. Justin Herbert has a lot of work to do. I thought this senior season was going to be a year where he came in and really improved his draft stock. I watched a lot of Oregon football. Oregon did not achieve their goals for a multitude of reasons, But one of those reasons was absolutely Justin Herbert's play. He was inaccurate at times. He had terrible touch on the ball. There were, when he played tough defenses, he did not step up like you would like to see a guy who should be the number five pick in the draft over Tua. That is my opinion on him. If you're going to draft somebody, I would much rather take Love out of Utah than I would Justin Herbert. And they both need work. They both are going to need to sit for a year, I think. Tua, you could realistically, if his hip is good to go, put in. And he wouldn't be great right off the bat, but you could at least put him in right away. It is insane to me that they're even thinking about drafting Justin Herbert at that spot. Yeah, I think they I think they might ultimately do it. And what Miami has is it would be a package of 18, 26, and 39 for Detroit's number three spot. Now, yeah, if they want... And Detroit has a ton of holes, so I don't know how I feel about that. Because <laughs> I also don't trust the guy making the pick, so I would I would not want that. Yeah, and here's the thing. If they were to do that and they fell back and they drafted Herbert later. No, they, they'd have the number five pick. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right, at five. They'd keep the number five pick. That's still insane to me. They'd just take Herbert over to him. I don't know what they like in him because I, I – Watched a lot of quite a few of those late night Oregon games too, and yeah. there were games that they were in it at the end, and Herbert would turn it over, defense would get him the ball back, he'd turn it over again, and it was just like, what? What is he doing? And it's not. I think if you're going to draft Herbert, you have to be extremely confident, not only in your ability as a head coach, but in your quarterback coach's ability and your offensive coordinator's offensive ability to coach up a quarterback because he is, I am watch. I'll probably eat these words. Cause I hate saying definitives around cornerbacks. Cause it or not cornerbacks quarterbacks, because it is so hard, but they're, they're not on the same playing level between Tua and Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert needs footwork needs improvement. 
touch needs improvement. Reading defenses needs improvement. Accuracy needs improvement. And some of that will come with cleaning up the footwork and the mechanics. Tua, if the health is the only concern right now, that's not to say he doesn't have work that he needs to do, but it's not, it just makes no sense to me. I just don't, I don't see the logic there to pick him. And I think it's, I think we will look back on that as a Mitch Trubisky type of pick. Like if they pick Justin Herbert over Tua, I think that's like the Bears overthinking and picking Mitch Trubisky. I just do. And they both could end up bad. I just don't think that's the move to make. But if you believe you can coach up quarterbacks better than than most, then maybe he is the pick to make because he's going to need some work. It's just that would be insane to me. I do not hate the fact that they would move up to try to get – screw it. Yeah, go up and get – I mean, the offensive line position, there are – I mean, between Andrew Thomas and uh, – what's his face? Uh, like Dedrick Willis? Is that the guy out of Alabama? Something like Something that. Like that. Yeah, those are both solid O-line picks. If you want to upgrade your offensive line, go for it. Those are those are great picks. So that would just be crazy to me. But yeah, why would you trade up for an offensive tackle? Like are are they that much different than the other? Like is one that much different than the other at the top of this class? I haven't heard anything like that. So, cuz if there was one that was that much different, they'd no. be rumored to go right after chase young and it wouldn't be like the lions should take him. yeah no i the the two i mean those are the two clear-cut best offense alignment mm-hmm. get out of alabama and andrew thomas out of georgia right behind them though is the kid out of iowa um tristan with whiffers whiffers something like that Whiffs. um well yeah he's a solid guy too like there's some and they depth. even have Makai Becton out of uh, Louisville, even though he failed a drug test at the combine. Yeah, they have. I think I saw one mock draft where they had the Bucks taking him, which I wouldn't be. I mean, yeah, I'd be more happy if one of those other three guys I mentioned fell, which I don't think is possible. Um, I'll say this: this draft is deep. I like a lot of the prospects in that early. Like if you're picking this year. And I'm sure I'll eat my words because it never works this way. Like the draft has this weird thing where it affects our brains. We're all like, oh, all these guys are going to hit. And we clearly know that they're not. But like the top 10 guys, top 15 guys this year, as long as they go to the right fit teams, they're all, I think, going to be studs. Like Jerry Judy's going to be a stud. C.D. Lamb's going to be a stud. Um, Jeff Okun's going to be a stud. Isaiah Simmons going to be, I think, a monster. Andrew Thomas, uh, I think Chase Young, like even if Chase Chase Young, his ceiling's Hall of Fame, his bottom is guy who makes a career in this league and is a good defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> right. So, like, perfect. Like his, bo- I mean, minus like him, like having like Derrick Rose knees type of thing or something, like some catastrophic injury. Like his floor is guy who's going to have a hell of a career, but isn't a Hall of Famer who's just really good, who's good, but isn't great. And his ceiling is Hall of Fame. Like, yeah. like all these guys I just mentioned, like, I, I just throw, I just think it's a very good class, and there's depth, like, the wide receivers are, I mean, throw a dart. I think they're all pretty damn good prospects. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think also 
the one the pick I'm excited they right now and this would be such a Raven thing if they do this. I was looking at I forget whose mock draft I had it written down, but somebody had Keith Murray to the Ravens at 28, the linebacker out of Oklahoma. I mean, just keep the linebacker brand going strong, Baltimore Ravens, because whoever gets him, I think he is going to be. I think he's going to be the guy that comes out of this draft when you look five years down the road. Him and Isaiah Simmons, and we're going, holy shit, did they get some great value at those picks. Isaiah's going to go early. Like, he'll be top 10, as he should be. I mean, he he has shown he can play pretty much anywhere on the field. But Kenneth Murray, whoo. I remember it was like week two or three or something, and I wrote down the betting note, like, watch out Keith Murray. Like, he makes Oklahoma's defense a competitor. I mean, that mm-hmm. man, he's special at linebacker. Yep, I do remember that. Oh, he's a freak. I, that would be so. That would be such a Ravens thing too if they somehow are able to get him and then draft him. Like if he falls yeah. to them, like that would be like, all right, just keep the linebacker dynasty going in down in Baltimore. Like why not? Like just keep that. Like they are essentially linebacker you of the NFL. Like just keep that brand strong. Right. Yeah. Do you have they any should. other thoughts on the uh, NFL draft? Yeah. How awesome is it going to be to to watch NFL coaches and GMs try and work Skype? Or Zoom. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> Go watch it. It is on all of our platforms, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. That is going to be must-watch TV. There is a prop bet out there. I mentioned it last week. They have the over-under on technical glitches at four and a half. Four that and a half. Sir. First of all, that's nuts. Second of all, this is going to be the greatest spectacle. The virtual thing is going to be terrible visually, but watching, I'm assuming they're going to have cameras in on the GMs and coaches. Watching these GMs and coaches have something go wrong because something's undoubtedly going to go wrong. You have like Ryan Pace running like a 50 foot extension cord in his house. Like somebody's going to trip, like one of his kids is going to be running through his house and trip on it, or somebody's Wi Fi is going to go down because, like, what's his face? Um, guy out in Seattle. He's got fucking like 25 monitors that he, he like ripped out his wall. Why can't I think of his name? It's like it's, Schneider. Uh, it's, yeah, Schneider. John Schneider. Schneider. Perfect. Um, I almost said Snyder. No, that would be the owner of the fucking Redskins. But mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> he ripped out a wall and put like 25 monitors. Like his bra- – like Watch amount- that construction not be done. Oh, you're you're like hammering nails and screws like as they call in. Like somebody's going to forget to mute themselves. Bill Belichick's probably going to be recording the whole thing. Like, he's going to probably find some way to, like, hack into these streams. Like, it is going to be so awesome watching these guys. One, freak out when technology fails and seeing it visually. And two, somebody's going to forget to hit, like, the uh, – we're going to be paused on picks forever because you know they're going to be like, oh, they're having technical difficulties. We have to delay it. Like, the whole thing is going to be a hilarious clusterfuck of just mistakes, and it's going to be perfect. That's what I'm most excited for. The, Bob Quinn up in up in Detroit, he has a his IT guy parked in his driveway in an <laughs> RV. I he said, it, I heard something hilarious, too, earlier on part of my take. They said uh, – <laughs> they they said he's he's driving a Winnebago and that doesn't seem right to me because Winnebago is a Chevy. They're they're a Ford family up there, so I don't know what's going on up there. They already have trouble in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is wrong. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of that. <laughs> oh my god, it's gonna be great. Must watch. I cannot wait for this year's draft. Um, 
This is like we were saying uh, last week. This is the first year. Like, I always watch the first round, and then the rest of the draft, I generally, because there's usually the Stanley, Stanley Cup playoffs are going on, NBA's going on. Like, there's other sporting events, so I'm generally just following it on my phone. But because there's nothing going on, this is going to be must-watch TV, except for when we get to the last dance on Sunday, which we go right into because it goes um, draft, and then Sunday we got the last dance. Talk about much make TV. We're not going to go too far into it because we're releasing this Thursday, so far down. But I do have to say, the first two episodes did not disappoint, and I know you are for sure excited about the next upcoming ones. I am as well because it's going to be dynamite. No, they're awesome. I'm I'm expecting a full on like uh, like uh, examination of Dennis Rodman and how things all went nuts and the story of how he got out of Detroit. They they found him with a gun in his car in a parking lot outside the practice facility, and they're like, all right, we got to get him out of here. And they move him on, and now he's with the Bulls, and he's just full-on crazy. And then the whole um, Pistons versus Bulls, the Jordan rules, all that fun stuff, man. I cannot wait for that. Oh, it's going to be great. Like, that is – and, like, for a lot of us, because we came in on the back – like, we don't really – we were born in 93 so you all can do the math on that like we did not like it's cool like all these old people bitching and complaining oh we already knew all this it's like yeah we get it you were around like when they do the last dance version of the patriots or like lebron or whatever kobe there's apparently one that they think they're gonna make a kobe like for us we're gonna be like yeah we remember all that because we lived through it but it is so cool going back and watching that and that is going to be the prime example especially for like these younger guys of like we all sort of knew it because we got the back end of the 90s where we were sort of cognizant of what's going on but like the how tough basketball was back in those days and how physical it was like those those um games between the pistons and the bulls like i've seen some of them like replayed it was a fucking war out there and like that is going to be cool to see and kind of see that backstory it'll be it's going to be fun i cannot wait yeah, and my basketball fandom didn't, like, really start in 97, 98. So, like, I don't even remember that last championship at all. I didn't start following basketball until the Pistons became good in, like, 2000, 2002. Right? Well, not 2000. 2002 because they won in 2004. So they had, like, a run of, like, two or three years before that. Um, but that was when I first started paying attention to basketball. And outside of the Pistons, I, was, I wasn't really a – broad league fan i really just watched my teams and that was it so i didn't really if they were out of the playoffs like i didn't know what was going on and the pistols were so bad then that i wasn't watching basketball yeah and i'm talking like because we didn't really get it because once again born in 93 so in it was more like the very back i'm talking like 1999 is when we i really started kind of paying attention so i really did not get much of it so it is cool to kind of see that backstory there were a couple things though I'm not going to do a full review that I thought were funny in this last episode. I tweeted this immediately. It jumped off the page when it was said. But at one point, um, Roy Williams said it. He was like, Jordan was the only player that could turn it off and on. And he never turned it. Never turned it, I think, said fucking off or something. And it was like, well, then maybe he couldn't turn it off. (laughs) I think that's, I don't think he could turn it on and off. I think he literally couldn't. That's what made him great. Also, Michael Jordan thought he was going to come out as, as an asshole in this or like a dick. No, we all knew he was super competitive. All this shows like how insanely competitive it was. The one area he does come off kind of like a dick in it is the handling of Jerry Krause. 
Like, they shortshamed him a ton. They were brutal to him, which I get. The dude was his own worst enemy. He deserves a ton of credit for building the Bulls as a baseball guy, too, which is insane. I didn't know he was a baseball guy. When they said that, I was like, what in that? You telling me you got a guy who was a who came up through the White Sox scouting department and he's running your Bulls front office? He didn't draft Jordan, obviously. But he put together the rest of that team, and he did a fantastic job. But he is a guy who wanted, who thought too highly of himself, obviously had a huge ego, and he thought he deserved more credit than he should have gotten, and he couldn't get it out of his own way. But there's also a part of it which sucks is like, like the Scottie Pippen deal. That was a raw deal. But Scottie Pippen signed the deal, and I think they should have done the good thing, kind of like the Panthers just did with Christian McCaffrey. Realize you have a stud renegotiate and that's going to save you a ton of pain down the road but that isn't all jerry Krause. like jerry Krause is the mouthpiece in the face behind the ownership like that is a big part of ownership too not wanting to resign him so i think he got and he's dead so he can't defend himself so i did feel a little bit bad for him but he could have gotten out of his own way i also loved barack obama espn just being like yep Former resident of Chicago. Former Chicago <laughs> resident Barack Obama. Some person was like in the graphics department, like, yep, nailed it. <laughs> People know he's president, but they don't know he's from Chicago. No, pretty much everybody knows he's from Chicago. Yeah. The other thing that I I never thought of, but is like the most understated point in the history of the world. The Bulls are the luckiest organization ever that the Olympics happened after the draft. Like when they brought that up, I was like, oh shit, you're right. Because Jordan went and played for that Olympic team and killed it. Like the year he was drafted, that summer was the Summer Olympics. He was playing in it and he played really well for a guy at what, 22 or 20, something like that. Like there's no way he would have fallen to the Bulls had the draft been after the Olympics. Not a chance. Now, the Akeem Ojuwon probably, he might have still gone number one because like that's not a bad pick but there's no way Jordan falls at three. Jordan's either the one or two pick had the Olympics happened afterwards. That was kind of crazy. I didn't know that. That's nuts. <laughs> also, I'm going to say this to kind of wrap it up. I don't know if this does it to you. This is easily my top five intro songs. That Bulls intro song that they play like into the stadium, I'll put in the sound graphic. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't pay that close attention to the documentary like I should have. I'm going to need to rewatch it. This is such bad radio, but like the oh wait no that's a commercial. I pulled up YouTube. <laughs> Great terrible. radio, Nate. Yeah, terrible radio. I can't believe you don't know. As soon as I no. play, everybody's gonna be like, "What? What are you talking about? How do you not know this?" Don't let this fuck up your summer, Nate. This? Oh yes, this. Yes, I Dude, did know what I'm talking about. You gotta like explain it a little bit. That's not. Is that a? Is that the Bulls intro? Yeah. The Bulls like the that immediately when i hear that i think why did i think that was like the 30 for 30 intro or something like that i mean it may have been in them but that's where like that's that's my reminisce like as soon as i hear that i get goosebumps one i think it was also in space jam i believe which is the reference that i get okay definitely in space jam because when he goes back to the bulls and they announce him that's the song that's playing but yeah that's their intro music that's easily my top five greatest intro songs like that's up there with like the stone cold austin shattering glass intro of like just really strong reminiscent memories chills when I hear that. 
Okay, now I know what you're talking about. Yes, I do know what you're talking about. I have heard that before. I did hear that in the documentary. Yeah, like that. You had me questioning things, Nate. Yes. You had me questioning how close I actually paid attention to the documentary. I don't know how you just didn't know that to begin with. Shame on you, sir. It's classic. It's a weird detail that I do not pay attention to. That's <laughs> <laughs> fair. Um, but yeah, that that's in there. Oh, that was such. It was great hearing that. I immediately got like goosebumps when that came on, and I was like, oh yes. Um, did you did you see on Twitter after the when when they tried to tear down the Bulls and trade Scottie Pippen away? Yeah. They had a deal. Scotty yes. Pippen for Tracy McGrady. Yeah. And Tracy McGrady knew about it and everything. Like, yeah. how much different would that guy's career have been? Dude, there's a couple. Apparently, Tracy also almost linked up with Shaq at one point in his career. Like, I think he almost ended up on the Magic at one point. Yeah, too. there was two or three. I don't remember. There was a yeah. blog that I was reading that yeah. had two or three huge trades that Tracy McGrady would have made out big time on because he would have went to a really good team and a contender. Well, that was the craziest thing, too. It's like rebuild you have jordan like what what the hell are you doing like this is like that thing where it's like this is jerry kraus in ownership liking the smell of their farts too much where it is like how you you ride that thing until the wheels fall off because in basketball it is so the bulls are still rebuilding at this point like mm-hmm. it is so hard to catch lightning in the bottle as a basketball team players unlike other team sports like this is such like a baseball mentality i think like in basketball it's just one guy like you need one guy and then you build the rest of the team with them you don't necessarily do that in any other sport you can cover up and still be a really good team like in baseball if you have a star pitcher you could trade him for other assets and still be good because it is more like team or like it requires the full team and it does require the full team in basketball. I'm not trying to say that. Well, it's simple it's math. Nate. Yeah. You have nine people on the field in baseball and you have five people on right. the court in basketball. 11, so we, like, yeah. <laughs> 22 yeah. in football <laughs> plus, <laughs> but yes, time. Yes. <laughs> like, right. For offense or defense. Like if you're the Patriots, for example, you're not blowing up the whole, they didn't blow up the whole thing with Tom Brady. I mean, they did at this point. But like oh, you run- you're telling me they didn't blow it up with get by getting rid of them? You tell me Jared Stidham's any good? Yeah, I'm just saying the wheels sort of started to fall off last year. Like you mm-hmm. then last year you definitively saw, okay, now it's time to rebuild. They were talking about not bringing back Phil Jackson if he won every single game. That is insane to me. It's crazy. <laughs> like that that and I, I do think that he just felt like he had ruined his relationship with Scottie Pippen that much that he just wanted to get rid of him out of spite. So that makes sense to me. Trying to get another superstar like T-Mac yeah, in, that would have worked, really well. worked for everybody but Jordan. So it wouldn't have worked. But <laughs> Yeah, it still wouldn't work. I mean, Jordan, I don't think Jordan would – well, obviously, we know Jordan didn't play because Phil Jackson left. He then retired. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's insane that you're not trying to keep – the greatest player the world has ever seen, and it's not even close at that point in basketball, as happy as possible. Whatever that man wants, you should be giving it to him. He wants Phil Jackson to be the coach? Screw your ego. Phil Jackson's the coach. I don't care if he loses every game. You have the greatest player in the world that the world has ever seen, 
It's not even close. He wants Scottie Pippen because he's the best teammate he's ever had. He's the one guy that could go kind of toe-to-toe with him and take his hell. You keep Scottie Pippen until that man can't walk if he wants it. Like, whatever it is, I think you keep it. It's just incredible. <laughs> like, you do and you don't because the GM got so much blame that the owners never got as much blame, even though is, he's the one that had to be yeah. holding them accountable. Because you saw that in Cleveland, too, with LeBron James and and how Dan Gilbert wouldn't pay a general manager more than a million bucks. So he was just cycling them in and out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the ownership of the Bulls deserves way more criticism. Because once again, I said it earlier, Jerry Krause was just the mouthpiece for ownership. So, like, there should be a lot more hate going to the ownership because they could have easily been like, yeah, we want to do the right thing and restructure Scottie Pippen's deal because it is a shit deal. That is ridiculous. Like, but now it's also like that probably started the movement of like, hey, think of yourself, players. Like, that's why it's just the it's one of the older examples, but like just another one in the box that like at the end of the day, if you are in sports and you are an athlete, the team should come first to a point. When it comes to your money, get your money. Unless you're determined to win rings. Like, if you want to get, if that's what your biggest goal is, then do that. But, like, you should also have the back of mind to get paid because the team has no loyalty. <laughs> Protect your mentals and take care of your chickens. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> On that note, we'll end it. <laughs> All right, people. As always, that'll do it for us. Peace. Peace. Peace.